why do you think it is kind of traditionally has been this way where there's the men's ministry and there's the women's ministry and then we have youth ministry and everybody's kind of bifurcated and segregated and even within our small groups you know in some missional communities if we're being honest sometimes we kind of we'll get together we have a little opening thing maybe we ate maybe we and then we kind of split to different rooms and if it's not a perceived need then why are we doing it so segregated I think it has a lot to do with the fact that that's just the way we've seen it modeled and how it's always been done. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's obviously a spot where women just need to go deeper with other women and get to the root of things, the thing behind the thing. But what we found is when things are done more in community, more just yeah. in the day-to-day, -day, everyday life, that's when things kind of get down to the root of it, you know? Right. And it, at, the, at our base, the church is a family. And so when we operate as a family and we disciple as a family, then we get to disciple in all areas of life, which is really what discipleship's about. the Everyday Disciple podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Okie doke, here we go again. All right. So good to be back with you and excited for this episode. I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit here, and maybe you're going to be excited too, but how was your weekend or how was your last week since we were last together? We had an amazing weekend here in the Pacific Northwest, just gorgeous weather-wise, but you know what really made it special? You know what was really special about it? A good friend of ours, Barb Terry, came to visit. <laughs> yeah, Barb is married to Nick, and together they help lead a church called C3 in uh, Maryville, uh, about a, I guess about an hour or an hour and a half north of Kansas City. But uh, we've been coaching them for a couple of years and become very close to them. And she came on out for a little long extended weekend visit to hang out with Tina and with another gal in our community, uh, Kayla. And it was just... It was a lot of fun, and it was kind of the three of them and me. So it was like the three sisters and a brother, <laughs> kind of a weekend. And uh, they did a lot of hanging on their own, and they had some ministry stuff they were talking about and dreaming about and praying about. Um, but we got to do a lot of hanging out together, and that was really, really fun, just being the church. And though we did see other people, but mostly we got to hang out and have lots of cool meals. And anyway, that was a really fun time, and it was one of those kind of reminders of, uh, how we're family, even if we haven't seen each other face to face, because even though I've known Barb for a couple of years through coaching and we see each other on Zoom and all that, and we've gone through a lot of ups and downs in life and ministry during those couple of years, this was the first time that Tina and I had ever met her. So, <laughs> what a, but what a cool thing, because it wasn't like it was any big deal. We we're just like, and family. And she's very fluent in the gospel and awesome and, and all that. So, as you're actually going to get to experience in just a few minutes, I'll come back to that. Before I do, though, would you join us over on Facebook in our Facebook group? Uh, we have a lot of fun over there, and you get to post questions and comments and thoughts about the episodes or just discipleship and missional living in general or gospel fluency or any of that. It's a blast. Go over there, search us out on Facebook for the Everyday Disciple podcast, or you can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook, and it'll take you right there, and then you can join the group and join the party. Also, I want to remind you to subscribe to the show. That way you won't miss an episode. I am noticing in a lot of our analytics that Spotify is 
really becoming a big listening device. I know for me, I've kind of switched over to that as my primary listening for podcasts tool. It's right where my music is. It's everything all in one. They remind me of what podcasts I like. I like when the Everyday Disciple podcast comes up right there in the top, all that. Whatever you do, though, if you want to Maybe check out the easy way to get to Spotify and be able to, I think there they don't call it subscribing, they just, you like it or somehow or you put it in your playlist or whatever, uh, but you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe. That'll take you to a page of a whole bunch of choices on that. All right, well, here we go. We're going to dive into this episode uh, talking about is discipleship different for women than men? And right away, I know just from the title, some of you guys uh, are going to want to just check out. You're going to go, oh, it's uh, it's uh, going to be a women episode. No, it's really not. It's really a discipleship episode and how discipleship and community happens. But I did want to, while I had Barb in town with Tina, I, you know, because Tina lives here all the time, but Barb doesn't, I wanted to talk to them about their experiences because Tina and I have been in lots and lots of communities and helped plant lots of churches and made lots of disciples, but so has Barb. So I wanted to know their perspective on women and discipleship, and is there differences, and if so, why, and how do people get started and fixing some of those things and any of that. I think you're going to really love this conversation, whether you're a, a guy or a gal, brother or sister, and it's going to help put a bigger framework on what discipleship is and how we look to meet the unique needs of everyone in our community, brothers and sisters, and how we can do that, and maybe how us brothers can help pave the way for our sisters to be able to be discipled in rich ways. All right? You're going to love this. Give it a listen. Well, this is quite a unique, awesome thing to have you both here on the podcast with me. I've had Tina many times, obviously. Uh, we're partners in ministry and life and this household and leading Team K, but Barb being here, this is what a bonus. I know. I'm super excited. Have we had some fun this weekend? Oh, we did. Yeah. Like I got to go all around Gig Harbor. What a wonderful community you guys have. Just met some of your friends and your family. It's it was amazing. It was truly amazing. Yeah. I wish that more of Team K would have been around. They were off yes. doing yeah. their own various fun things this weekend. Yes. But and... we still heard some great Team K stories, though, <laughs> yeah. and ate some great salami eggs. So I've got to experience some stuff, and I can't wait to meet them next time. Yep. And, and them, you, I'm certain. Well, we want to talk about the differences between how women need to be discipled and yeah. or are discipled. So this is the kind of the... This is the slippery slope of it, because... I, I know right in the front end, I want to be a little bit careful to not just make this a thing about how women are so different than men, and because mm -hmm, right. we are all unique, right? Yes. And I want to say also at the front end, guys, just a reminder here, this is largely my sisters here doing this for us, <laughs> so don't check out. This is so we can learn about the similarities and yet differences and uniquenesses about people, including women. So let me ask you this just to start us off. Do you think that women perceive discipleship in different ways than men do? In other words, and I want to put a little qualifier on this, like what discipleship actually is. And do women have different needs to help them move from unbelief to belief? That's how we describe discipleship. Or do they know those needs? Or is it like just been sort of a resignation that like, well, we'll take what we get from like what we've always experienced in church, which, as we know, is primarily male-based and not a lot of discipleship. So what do you think? Do women perceive discipleship in different ways or even know if they have different needs? No. <laughs> I don't think they perceive their need any different than men. I think they perceive the responsibility for that differently. What do you mean by that? 
they the responsibility for that. Whose responsibility? Yeah, I think that they've been trained and taught by the church that the responsibility for discipleship is the pastors and it's the male leaders, and that they just get to go along with what their husbands and the male leaders. Then say. why, if there's not a perceived difference by women, why do you think it is kind of traditionally has been this way, where there's the men's ministry and there's the women's ministry, and then we have youth ministry, and everybody's kind of bifurcated and segregated, and even within our small groups, you know, in some missional communities. If we're being honest, sometimes we kind of, we'll get together, we have a little opening thing, maybe we ate, maybe we, and then we kind of split to different rooms. Like, why Why do you think it's, it's that's kind of still our, I mean, if it's not a perceived need, then why are we doing it so segregated? I think it has a lot to do with the fact that that's just the way we've seen it modeled and how it's always been done. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's obviously a spot where women just need to go deeper with other women and get to the root of things, the thing behind the thing. But what we found is when things are done more in community, more just in the day-to-day, everyday life, that's when things kind of get down to the root of it, you know? Right. And at at our base, the church is a family. And so when we operate as a family and we disciple as a family, then we get to disciple in all areas of life, which is really what discipleship's about. And I think there again, with the distortion that the church has handed us all, that discipleship was primarily, it's about knowledge and sin management. Mm -hmm. And so that flows out of a broken gospel that thinks, you know, that the gospel was primarily about our afterlife. And so if you've said this prayer, now what discipleship, quote unquote, or sanctification equals is try to sin less till Jesus gets back because we don't piss him off, right? Right. And so it's behavioral modification. So then... That flows right into what you just said, doesn't it? Right. Because that's a flawed, broken assumption. But if discipleship's, you know, like we've said a zillion times here on the podcast, helping all of us move from unbelief to belief in light of the gospel, we're becoming more and more Christ-like, then we need the whole body, don't we? We need... And not that there's not a uniqueness, like I have a deep connection with this person or that person, or because that is another mother or a father, I, I can really relate to that person in that way. But overall... We need all the body parts. Totally. And I hope we can like just really clang that bell for the church to hear that, that this, yeah. this separation and bifurcation doesn't ultimately serve us. Just like in a family, sometimes I'm just with my son or with one of my daughters or this or that. But overall, the richness, the maturity comes from us being the body together. Yeah, absolutely. totally. And if we all want to look and, and walk more like Jesus does, I'm going to have to go to my sister or my brother who's maybe their giftedness is different than my giftedness. But... I want to learn from them. We want to grow together. And that's only done in community. So we learn a lot of great things from from young singles. We love college-age kids. It's so much fun. But also, how much more rich and deep is our is our communities when we bring in grandmas and grandpas to, to kind yeah. of mentor and show them what it looks like to walk with Jesus every day? Absolutely. I can remember, remember when we brought in uh, a female to our men's retreat? To be like the big guest speaker yes. and tell the guys what they needed to hear that they hadn't probably heard from their own wives, girlfriends, moms, or people in church. Yeah. And we did the same thing. We and flipped the, guys the other way. we talked about that for a long yeah. time. You right. Know, and because... it, was, it wasn't like it was the life-changing moment itself, but we were trying to break some of this same weird paradigm that, yeah. you know, the women go off on a retreat. The last thing they wanted to see was a guy show up and vice versa. You were like, why? <laughs> it's your sister. There's a lot to learn here. So please tell us some of the things that we need to hear as men this weekend. Because if it's a men's retreat and we want to learn how to serve better, parent better, be yeah. more like Christ, uh, you're going to be primary in our lives. You're half the body, you're half the family at least, or you know whatever. Yeah. Um, we need to hear from you. So I, I thought it was brilliant and loved it. 
Uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel like that women are easier to engage in discipleship? We talk about people at peace, those people, believers or not yet believers that are really leaning into our lives. Do you think women are easier and they'll make the time to walk with you in the ways of Jesus? Or, uh, I mean, are women like just like men where they, uh, they're too busy, distracted, like they get the kids, they hide behind a lot of stuff, and there's not enough time to do this? Like, <laughs> Yes, they are absolutely just like men in that. Like the, you know, the circumstances may be different, whether it's working or I'm home with the kids or whatever. But regardless, I think we all struggle with the time, finding the time and making the time for discipleship and and like being proactive. I like it's it's just as difficult for men. And, and we're not there again. We're not talking about making the time for that extra Bible study no. to be jammed into your week, though that might be part of it. But we're talking about making the time to be in community, to be in people's lives, to be to up be serving. To be intentional. But yeah. I will say it is a lot easier for me personally to be intentional with women. There's a lot less barriers. We have mm-hmm. a lot of the same places and spaces, a lot of the same things in common. Yes. So, you know, it's easier for me to be more intentional with women, to go into more vulnerable places with women. Yeah, it's hard for me to invite another woman to go and have a deep gospel discussion over some coffee or a glass of wine together. That's yeah, right. Totally. It is. <laughs> totally. <laughs> And so I really have always found that when I'm trying to look for invitation into people's lives, you want to try to find some commonality there, you know, so it's a good place to start. And I think when we talk about some of the deeper discipleship stuff, like things that we would call like triads or DNA, I think those especially, it is kind of important to to stay. Because like you were saying, there is a a vulnerability, there's a, a intimacy, though I don't like necessarily... Yeah, the that, use of that word, but there, but there's, you know, there's some trust things, and you need to really be careful to do. But that overall, within. do you think women are any easier to disciple than men, or they'll make time for it better than men, or about the same? You know, it de- it depends on the walk and stage of life too. What I found, you know, I have a three year old son. It's a lot easier to get a play date together with moms who want to do who want to do a play date in the park or come over to my mm-hmm. house for a cup of coffee, you know, as opposed to whatever stage of life you're in. But that is true for men too, isn't it? Like when it comes to stages of life. Well, obviously I can't get together for a play date with most guys if they're at work. Correct. Right. And we yeah. still do have a culture where primarily more men are leaving the household during the daytime. Mm-hmm. Not every culture is that way, but I would say at least where we are, the three of us in our context, he and mm-hmm. I are the same one. But yeah, I just find that everybody's too busy for everything. And I was just yes. kind of personally trying to see what you think. Because our experience doing discipleship and community is it's not that different from a time standpoint or a leaning in. You got to mm-hmm. you got to identify your people of peace. Like who really wants to be in this relationship? Who wants to start to walk in the ways of Jesus and, you know, an appropriate pace that makes sense to them and uniquely crafted and all that. And yet, it's interesting because traditionally around the world for, I don't know how long, I'm going to say the past 50 years or more at least, it's probably longer than that, a lot more women are highly engaged in the church. Oh, yeah. And I've been to 30-something plus countries doing ministry, and you always see like a crazy ton of women doing all the stuff, you know, like they're running most of the administration, Sunday school, after school, midweek, mops, you know, and then there's just a few men who are officially in charge. Then they're begging the men in the families to get more engaged and lead in their households. But then the wives are having to take, you know, the moms are having to take that lead too. There's this weird dichotomy again. We've got this handed down structure and yet... But that's what I love about living out of your gospel identity and just the idea of discipleship rhythms. It, it's not about the, the structure that we, that we grew up in. This is living as Jesus lived. 
So I don't have to worry about those molds or labels. I can kind of strip that all away. And that's where really we feel like freedom's found. And I also think that this comes back to the church as a family. And I think women view their church more like their family. And women oh, yeah. tend to be terror takers and the getter dunners in the <laughs> taking care of the family. And mm-hmm. I, so I think it's we're just really seeing an extension of that to some extent that we're not going to let our kids go without shoes or clothes or meals or whatever. Even if that and, might be an extension of how you were raised or a cultural yeah. you know, mm-hmm. aspect of that, there is a reality to that. Now, some don't want that to be a reality or they want to sort of act like that's not a reality or that's not true or there's a lesser than or whatever. But but I think you're tapping on something there. There's yeah. a there is culturally in a lot of cultures, there's more of the the moms are taking the primary caretaker role. And so it might be easier for them to see the church and community as their family. Yeah. But I have to be honest, I've also heard people say like, no, my family is my husband and my kids, and I barely even hang out with my sisters and stuff all more because I'm just I'm super hyper focused on that little nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And so they don't see that. You know, we've had these conversations, T, right, yes. with how many people have like, don't see people as guests in your home, see them as family. And they're like, but they're not my family, but they are according to God. Those are fellow image bearers that he created, you mm-hmm. know, and we've had whole episodes about that, that no, they really are. They might not be the redeemed children in the family. They might not be close to dad. They might be pissed at him far away or whatever, but they're still, we get to see them as brothers and sisters. And as- that kind of goes back to, because we were we were men and women both created in God's image. And so to we, be like we him. reflect him yeah. Yeah. In, in slightly different ways, but we are like him. In lots and, of different ways. Yeah. That's the beauty of the whole thing, yeah. right? That's the beauty of the whole thing. And why why marriage and then family is our primary like magnifying glass of who God is and what he's like. When we yeah. see this submitted, committed relationship, God exists in community for mm-hmm. God's glory. And when we do that versus our own glory or our kids li- exist for our glory... That's why that's such a primary big deal and why it's so attacked mm-hmm. by the enemy, right? And even right. by the world. Now, as you disciple people, women included, but not exclusively, how important is addressing identity with women in connection to their lives and unbelief or pain or growth, maturity? How important is identity? You mentioned it earlier, Barb. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. I really feel like unless we we look at our identity, it's very difficult for us to live out of that if we don't understand it. We really have to know who God is so that we can we can live as Jesus lived. We right? have to know so, who God is and who God and, then says we are. Yeah, so, what's true of us. What's be, true because of it's us. true of him and now mm-hmm. by his spirit in Jesus' life and death, it's becoming increasingly true of us, right? Yeah. yeah. It is true already. We just, Do we believe it and live into it? Yes. Yeah. And and if, if we're not believing who we are, how are we going to respond? We're going to respond by whatever unbelief is really controlling our life in the moment. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is fear-based for women, Mm -hmm. inadequacy or the label of, well, I can't do that because it's more important that I prioritize this part of my life. Instead of seeing that it's all the Lord's and we get to live in those places and spaces, showing and revealing His glory all around us, I, I think we kind of as women can compartmentalize life in those ways. So it's really important that our identity strips that away. And, and this starts to lean into whole, the whole do-to-be distortion, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. We do what we mm-hmm. do equals who we are and what we va- we're value by, or we don't do certain things yes. because that saves us or protects us from certain people thinking certain things. Well, mm-hmm. That's I, all identity issue. Mm-hmm. And I, I know Tina can probably agree. I talk to so many women that are just broken and hurting with anxiety and worry or shame, and it's all based on that do-to-be distortion. You know, I need to do more of this. I need to fix that. I need to do more, do more. Or I didn't do enough. And in not doing enough, the guilt and the shame that comes with that. 
so that perspective of inadequacy, not living out of your gospel identity, realizing that you are saved, you are beautiful, you are valued, that, that God has paid the price, that they can't help others see that. There's no spiritual freedom yet. Yeah. And so if there's no spiritual freedom, they, they can't have, have peace in their relationships and things going on. Yeah. And it, just understanding it, that we are all completely, uniquely made, created, designed by God, and that we're here for a purpose. It's not We're not just here to get by or survive or, or get stuff done, get or... stuff done, but that we get to, we get to live our life in a reflection uh, and a, in a way to, that glorifies God and shows people what He is like. And that, living in that reality, in that truth of our identity, then changes mm-hmm. what we have to do or really what we get to do. Yeah, it's totally freeing. We're free to be whatever God created us to be. Mm -hmm. What do you think some of the biggest do-to-be-connected-to-identity lies are that, and I know this is broad, but that that women today might be tempted based on the systems, the way they were upbringing, media, all that? What do you think some of the biggest lies about their identity and who they are based on what they do or don't do are? What are some common things that they're going to be big in discipleship and probably show up over and over and over? Mm -hmm. The lie of that there's a way to be a perfect mom, that you have to be a perfect mom or else your kids are going to disintegrate or turn out horribly and it's all your fault. You know, it's like that... that And the way they turn out is a direct connection to who you are and your glory. Right. So that's a lie. That's weird and that'll crush you. Yeah. I think the one I come across the most and wrestle with the most myself probably is the do-to-be distortion of the comparison game. Comparing myself to other people that if I just do this, then I will be as good as this person is. Mm-hmm. I, society, look at magazine covers riddled with photoshopped women. Yeah, you know that this is the perfect mom in in the kitchen with the apron and the kids all kept. When the reality is, that's fake. That's not real. Yeah. What, what you you, what's the wrong with an apron? You don't like an apron? <laughs> <laughs> what if it's all? What if she's only wearing an apron? Is that good or bad? Is that a good or a bad thing? I guess that would depend on. What the husband's the looking for that. Cover. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, and I, I, so the other one that I, that I think that most women really struggle with is this whole concept of like back in the seventies, it was, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and never, ever let you forget you're a man. I'm a woman and I can do all these things. And so that the woman has to be like, she a has to be, a, a, she has to be the perfect mom and have hold down a job that makes all this money and come home and have the perfect house and be the perfect wife. And, and somehow or another that all of that is not only the way that it should be, but that's the norm. It should be effortless, and you should, should feel great about it, and everybody yeah, else should also yeah. bow down to it, right? right? Like, yeah. and who are you to not like everything that's I'm the doing? Expectation. Now you're you poking my idol. That. Well, and by the way, I, you know, a lot of that comes out of a very, very uh, wrong-headed understanding, reading, and teaching of Proverbs 31. Yeah. Yes. About who a woman is and all this ideal, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's not even what that's about, and that was a. <laughs> So there, like, even though that seems cultural, the church hasn't helped in that one way yeah. a lot sometimes, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's what Tina and I really want to just tell other women, you know, that God's gracious. You don't have to prove yourself. You, mm-hmm. don't, you don't have to be anything. You are free to just live out of your identity. You don't have to fear man. His glory covers all of that. 
And we by can, that, you don't necessarily mean just like males. No, yeah. like fear of humanity. <laughs> exactly. Fear of man. You know, fear of man. I just got to be careful you. today. We're well, so I mean, politically truly. correct and wrapped around the spokes here. You well, know? and fear of what people think. Fear that you're not enough. Fear that you're not adequate at your job, that you're not adequate in your marriage, you're not adequate with your kids, or in your that your home's not kept well enough. All of these things. Tall just, enough, short enough, thin enough, skinny enough, truly, smart and, enough, fast enough, athletic mm-hmm. enough, not yeah. you know smart enough, all that. And I think when we are alone, when we truly are just alone, alone in our thoughts in the shower, I think a lot of women just cry out to God that they just cannot do it. They know that they're inadequate. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is if women would just embrace the spirit within them, because the same spirit lives in me that lives in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So embrace the power of the spirit Big. and be freed to just be what, what he created us to be, which is to show his good works, mm-hmm. to reveal his glory all around us. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. That's just what I want to tell women. They think, oh, this life, I can't do this. It's too much. I'm not in my place in space or whatever. And it's like, why don't you back up? Like, do you go to the soccer field on Saturdays? Be Jesus there. Bring the yeah. best snacks. Be kind to the So as I'm hearing this, as I'm hearing this, all that stuff is such a huge part of discipleship because we're moving from mm-hmm. unbelief to belief in every area connected to the gospel, which is going to always inform, like, well, so what's true of God? And what has he done to prove that to us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how does that speak into your identity, your authority, your privilege? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think, I'll be honest with you, as I'm hearing this, I could I could replace every one of those f- with the guy's version. Oh, yeah. Right. This just sounds like discipleship to me, uh-huh. though there's differences because we're all unique. Just like right. there might be a different set of those based on how you were raised or the type of parents or your dad or military background, mm-hmm. or I had a whole lot of siblings or I didn't have any siblings. Right. It's going to all be unique distortions of that not believing what God says is true of us and getting to learn how to live into Him, becoming Him. That's what discipleship's all about. That's what, why we need a community. You'll just never do that with the 101, 201 class, 301 class, and I get all your head knowledge together. So you're, you're clean, right? You're all fixed, right? You know? <laughs> if only. What are some of the most meaningful, consistent discipleship relationships or rhythms or activities that you've had throughout your lives? And I know those things come and they go, and sometimes they change as we mature or age and stage of life, but what are some of the things that you would point to that's like, that's been really meaningful, like a pattern or a rhythm or a relational dynamic that's been helpful in my own discipleship? You're right. It really does change in kind of your season of life. I have grandkids now, right? So I'm in a whole different phase of life than Barb is with her kids. But I can remember when my kids were little and, and like play groups and the women that I met with during my play groups that I met regularly with. And these were women I prayed with and we studied the Bible together and, and we were moms together and learning how to be moms together. And those women were that those were relationships that were really important. But over time, that kind of morphs. And then I'm now I'm working mom. And now, you know, it's I'm doing that with my coworkers or mm-hmm. other people in community that I have to be really intentional about meeting with. Right. So, well, I would, I totally agree. It does change, but I think the essence, the foundation of it is always the same. It's finding people of peace, people who lean into what I'm doing, people who care, who trust me and I trust them mm-hmm. in whatever context or place or who space Who have hopefully enough love for you to speak truth to you. Absolutely. Right? Imperfectly, sure. Yeah. Right? And but so, you know, we call enough. those DNA groups, but what Tina just described to me is it was a DNA group, you know, women coming together. But I think, too, probably the, it is so important to have some sort of 
community, a family. And for us, it's not necessarily our DNA family. You know, Nick mm-hmm. and I have always lived away from our folks. You mean your bio family? Our bio family, yeah. yeah. Nick and I have always lived away from our parents. And so we've only had that that group of believers to lean into us to help us out when we need a babysitter in a pinch or whatever. We walk together, we eat together. You know, living those discipleship rhythms, that's what You're doing birthdays together. It. You're going to yeah. kids' games and their recitals and yeah. you're, you know, like funerals and all this stuff and hospital visits and all that life on life stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but that's that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? We don't have to be bio family to be family. We get to be together. So that includes everyone. So even the orphans or the outcasts, God has provided that family for you in the spirit. And I love that. So I, I would say that's probably the most pivotal relationship. What do, you, what do you say to, I know there's people listening going like, I don't have one single woman like that in, in my life like right now. You know, and guys too, guys listening going like, that sounds great. I want a family like that. We have been for years trying to get a missional community started. Our church ain't into it or no one we know will even listen to the podcast with us or whatever. How do we bear with and also encourage those who go, I want that. I don't even have the beginnings of that. Well, the first thing I would say is pray. Obviously, you, yes. you have to pray what's next. It is something we teach our tribe. Our tribe is our bio family. We teach our tribe, our kids, to pray constantly. Like, mm-hmm. pray for what's next. We do it every morning. And the Ask other God, thing, what's next? Yeah, what's, what's my next, next step in finding that community? The Spirit goes before. We, we have to trust. Doesn't God want us to have a family? God wants us to have these relationships. He's not going to hold that back from us. He's going to provide people. And so I would say, as you pray, you need to be brave. Be courageous. The spirit lives inside you. Ask questions to people who are leaning in, who you're having good times with and just laughing. It doesn't have to be a Bible study. You could just be someone, it's, it's someone that's positive, that's encouraging you, that's leaning into what you're doing. That and might be where it starts, family. right? Oh, yeah. It's very hard to just go like, I'm going to go pick three super gospel fluent people and get them in my life all consistently. And then mm-hmm. all their schedules are going to completely line up with my gaps and openings. That's not going to start that well, way. No. You got to begin. If I had started that way, I would never would have started. I didn't have people like that. Right. So I had to be brave and cultivate that together. But that's the beauty of it too. Like we get to do it together. I'm, I haven't arrived. I'm learning as they're learning. And so we're all on a journey, just trying to look more like Jesus. So if you're brave and you step out of that comfort zone and say, Hey, I've been really convicted that, that I want to cultivate a relationship with someone that I can, that I can talk about some of these deeper things that I'm dealing with, but have them give me some perspective of how the gospel speaks into that, you know, how the good news speaks into that. Yeah. Can we learn that together? I want to I try it. Here'd be another encouragement I'd want to throw out and how people listening who maybe don't know where they would start with that is, is I want to just challenge the brothers listening. Guys, could you help foster that? Could you help provide mm-hmm. the space and time for that? Because a lot of it's that. And that kind of leads into my final question here as we start to wrap up. How could church leaders, be it male and female, how could church leaders or missional community or small group leaders begin to do a better job of caring for the hearts and the discipleship needs of the sisters in their communities, in their churches? A big thing is intentionality and affirming women, just affirming their giftedness, affirming the things that you're seeing God do in their life Mm. and trying to make those connections because leaders in the church, they know multiple people. So maybe thinking about it intentionally, like, hey, this there's this mom that just started coming, this single mom, but then she I was thought, asking about something yeah, like this. Yeah, she was asking about it, yeah. and I know, you know, so and so is really into crafting, just like she is. So I'm going to make that connection, kind of like a meet cute, yeah. to get them together, so so that they can maybe develop deeper relationship. 
I really think that that plays a pivotal part. Women today do a lot in the church and sometimes don't get a lot of validation for that. So just a simple note, a kind word, things like that, those go a long way, not only for women, but for men too. Oh, for sure. No one's over-encouraged. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think having a, if the men in the church could also have a, a better view of what family really is, meaning like, you know, we are a family with God as our father and Jesus as our brother, and that we have the spirit to guide us and comfort us and help us along the way. God has put women in the family for a reason and to allow them and to encourage and, and affirm, like you mm -hmm. said, their place in this family is an important part of how the family functions. Mm -hmm. it's, it's To foster that, thing. to protect that, oh, to yeah. not make that as like well, an also and, but as a primary. You know, we say, we say community like that, you know, oikos, yeah. a gospel-centered community is the primary organizing structure of the church. Sorry, it's not our hour and a half on Sunday sitting in rows, now all separated like crazy with some people watching a live stream in the background while they're also watching a game, you know, or, yeah. something, or, or mm -hmm. doing the dishes. So to really believe that, if you're a male leader or a female leader, to believe that that, that family unit, that growing oikos, that, that environment is going to be the primary soil that discipleship, yeah. male and female, is going to take, take well, place in. And if we're family, we all pitch in. Mm -hmm. We all pitch in and help out. Yeah. And so sometimes it might be if, if your wife needs to meet with some other women, you may have to watch the kids that night or, you Amen. know, providing those kind of different things. <laughs> like, and it's totally unique depending on what your circumstance mm -hmm. is. But I firmly believe that the spirit will lead it. If we're intentional and we're seeking him with what's next, God's going to provide us the answers we need. He's going to provide us with people of peace to build a relationship with. We just have to seek him first, and we have to be courageous and step out when he answers. I completely agree. Sometimes we've just grown so weary and lose hope that that can be a reality. And if nothing else today, maybe we're getting a few little wake-up calls and, and the encouragement to begin again. To, yes. begin to, be, to begin again, right? Truly. To try again and, and suck forward, as we say. It's not, mm -hmm. It doesn't start out with this mature, perfect existence and set of relationships. Everybody, they hear these stories or they'll read a, you know, a book I wrote or whatever, and they're like, man, I want all that. Okay, get started, because that takes years, right? Yeah. Yeah. At best. Legit. Okay, well, this is really a lot of perspective that I certainly would not accidentally stumble upon in my own thoughts or devotions as you share this. And I love how you touched on identity and all those things. Man, there's a lot for, for me as your brother to digest here. And, and how am I adding to a problem or some traditional boxing up of men and women and kids and siloing people separately? And, and, and beyond that, not just being okay with stuff, but am I willing to like go like and bear the burden of, you need more time to be able to even cultivate those types of relationships yeah. mm -hmm. with women and with brothers in the community and other kids and family and be an older sister, but also be a younger sister. So I got a lot to chew on and we got to get to the big three. These are our big three takeaways from today's talk, our topic. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these. And as always, I, I'm happy to send you a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Boop, put in your name and your email address. We'll send it to you. So you'll have this kind of summarized. Could be good talking points uh, as you maybe share this episode or as you just think through it yourself or share this with another person in community or spouse or whatever. Let's bring it down. What's the big three for today? To start off with, we have to quit trying to live by labels and we need to just be who God has called us to be. So we need to, like we were saying, if you want to know people of peace, you have to be a person of peace. And you need to look at how God created you and where he put you and bloom where you're planted with who you have around you. 
I've heard it said that uniqueness is not a barrier. It's actually a unifier. Mm, Powerful, right? Yeah, Yeah. that is really good. Shout out to my sister, Kayla, who said that to me this morning, actually. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Okay, number two of the big three. What do you think it is today? If there's one thing I really want women to take from this, and I want you to listen close, it's that God's glorious, so you don't have to fear. You get to live free in your identity as his daughter. You are proven, you are valued, you are beautiful where you are for who you are in your circumstance now. And you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works and to reveal his glory all around you. It's not complicated. It's beautiful in its simplicity and God goes before. So remember your gospel identity and live out of that. Mm. Remember that you are his daughter first. So Mm. all the labels that the world's put on you and all the fear that comes from that, just rest knowing you're freed from that. Mm. Wow. Holy cow. Can, can guys also hear that maybe and feel the same truth? Yes, can we, can I hope I, so. Totally. Can we whiff on that one a little too? Like <laughs> it, it smells so good to me. Altering. It is. Yes. Well, and I write it on, on my bathroom mirror. I write notes to my kids and they are straight up gospel identity yeah. all the way. Beautiful. Beautiful, loved, powerful. embraced. It's so powerful, powerful for our kids mm-hmm. and for ourselves. All right. Wow. That's a lot there. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Number three. So what's the n- number three of the, the, the big three here today? And this is usually the one where it's kind of like the rubber hits the road and mm-hmm. some maybe beginning ways to get started. I would say, kind of touching on what we touched on before, we need to really pray that God will put people of peace in our life, people who are leaning in. And if we have them, we need to be courageous to step out and really ask the Lord what's next in those relationships. Mm -hmm. Cultivating a sisterhood, cultivating a community is pivotal. It is foundational to live and disciple others. It's hard to disciple, to go to deeper levels of belief when you're not with people. Yeah. You You need other people to call that out in you. So we need a community around us to remind us of the truth when we're not believing it. What's that practical first step then? So I would say, I would say it's be a person of peace. So as you're saying, what's next, Lord, I need, I, you know, and praying for people around you, then you need to be brave enough to step out, like you're Mm -hmm. saying, and be a person of peace and be brave and go to that person and say, Hey, I'd, you know, I'd really like to get together and talk, have a cup of coffee you know, yeah, and, and, and I think don't over-project it. And so so we can start meeting together for the rest of our life on Wednesdays. No, like, no, right. like no, see where it go, what's next? What's the next what's step? Next? Start there yeah. simply. And I know there's a bit of a dichotomy that people might be hearing today. Like, hey, we don't want to just separate everything, men from women and all. But a big aspect, like you guys are saying, that's been meaningful for you is having that smaller little sisterhood that yeah. you, then you can begin to trust, that you can begin to peel back the false identity and the false labels and all that. Yeah. And People oftentimes that's with. one of the most important parts of, of actually a rich, diverse community is the health of all the individuals mm-hmm. as they grow. And that's that's one component of it, but it's mm-hmm. I want to underscore that for, for my sisters and for brothers. Being sisters with sisters, guys finding a few guys to kind of iron sharpens iron. Remember Robert told us this weekend, it's not plastic sharpens plastic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like look legit. for people. You go, those are those are great people. I'd like to, I think I could learn from that person or they're, they seem mature in this area. I, I feel really like scared in that area or, or lacking in that area. Great. Probably an identity issue. Get along someone who's maybe shed that unbelief already. God will lead you to those people. Those he are will. key things. And I really want to challenge you. Like... Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, we're going to do that, but then we forget or life happens. Write it down. Hold yourself accountable if you have no one else to hold yourself account- no one else to hold you accountable. Yeah. Write it down. 
pray what's next, start a journal, be active and take it seriously. And the Lord will bless that. He blesses our obedience. So lean into that and you won't be sorry. On a a purely practical note, if it's not in my phone, in my calendar, it's not going to happen. So... So you know, like maybe set a time to even, I'm yeah. going to pray these gonna days pray. for this. And then whoever mm-hmm. God brings to mind, I'm going to go ahead and contact them by, yeah. by Friday. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Bro, Sometimes I have it alarms takes that. Set. Yeah. I have alarms set with labels. Like mm-hmm. it happens. I, and so I do too. I feel totally like it's not my calendar. It's not real. And I want to value people and discipleship and people's mm-hmm. hearts and movement forward as much as I do anything else. I put my calendar like a mm-hmm. dentist appointment or something for crying yeah. out loud. We don't miss those. Wow, this is an awful lot to think about and and powerful. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the perspective. And thank you for making the focus really the freedom we have to be who God's created us to be. Yeah. Now, there's great implication of that. And we'll be unpacking that men and women, men with women, women with women, all, you know, Mm -hmm. as God's family, as his beloved for the rest of our lives. But boy, we get to, and that's, yeah. that's beautiful. It's awesome. We get to. Thanks so much for being on and sharing this today. I got to wrap this up. Us. Yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, maybe we'll do this again if we can get the two of you in the same room here. Like, <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Well, I have to wrap this up. This has been a blast. I hope this has blessed you. You might need to share this episode with somebody else, or if you heard it in the car by yourself and you go, oh man, I think my spouse would love to hear this, or I'd love my spouse to hear this, please do that. Please share this, talk about these are key things. This, this is important as we are beginning to mature, hopefully as the church and, and sort of move out of the box for an hour and a half on the weekend and move it into all of everyday life and see discipleship as a lifestyle. So thanks for being here today. I can't wait to see you again, talk to you again, be with you again in about a week. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.